0: Okay, better late than never. Let's get started tonight. Thursday night class. This is before Purim. Purim is a time in which it says a person has to become intoxicated on Purim until Adeloyada, until he doesn't know. So I already fulfilled that because I don't know the discourse that I'm teaching today. So we're teaching from, I'm teaching from an from I don't know place, not from an I know place. But that's good. Maybe something much better is going to come out from the I don't know than from the no. It's exciting to learn things you don't know because then you're getting out of your space, you're learning. You're going into a whole new realm. At this point, I don't feel like I know this mimer. Um, I'm determined to teach Tara R. because I want to finish the book. <laughs> I just have a few discourses left, like all together, like five, six discourses in the whole book. So this is a, um, a discourse to Megillah Sester on the in the back and the end of torah r it's on page 192 would be the english side but actually the way, not the english the the, the 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 one side of torah or one the 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 back side of every page in the hebrew books you start the opposite way That you start from an english from a uh, secular book hebrew books you all start from the from which side from the right side you go towards the left other books you start on the left you're going to the right. So in the back of each page there's numbers on the on the, on the front side of each page are he Hebrew alphabet for the which page it is. And they're not equal. They don't work together. This is right, they're not like the same number. <laughs> it's a whole different account. why it is that way, that's the way it is. Adds extra confusion. So the book of Teraur this discourse is on page Tzadik Zion. Tzadik Zion is number 97. First column. It's an explanation. It's called Bir Al-Anal. It's an explanation. Al-Anal means on what was mentioned earlier. Which is the discourse of the V'kiba on page 192. Page before that. Which starts with the words The Jewish people accepted that which they begun to do. Now, um, we already discussed Monday night this past week, the whole concept that we know that the Purim was the completion of the receiving of the Torah. And this week we had a whole long discussion of why that was. I gave over a Torah from oblivion, Yitzhak, a of We explain how by the giving of the Torah, the Jews were in a very, very, very um, elevated and... Um, a very transcendental state. They had a very expansive understanding. Just by coming to the mountain, they were swept up into the, into a very, very, they were elevated to a very, very high place. And therefore, if they accepted the Torah then, that did not mean that they were accepting the Torah when their feet, when, when they had their boots on the ground. But on Purim, they were able to accept it. And only that's why God had to force it to, upon them. So that they can keep the Torah even when they're not feeling so spiritual. We also learned on Monday that not just regarding the Jewish people not being so spiritual. The world itself was a very miraculous world. They were elevated and the world was elevated. And Hashem wanted to ensure that they're going to keep the Torah even when they are grounded. And when the world is grounded. In other words, a world that's a natural world. A people that are a natural people with all the limitations of vision. And, and yet... And that's the story of Purim. We discussed that in the story of Purim, God became visible in the natural and in the normal world, not in the crazy world. In the very natural, regular, everyday world, Hashem became visible. And as a result of that, the people were able to commit to God even while they were living a natural, normal, down-to-earth existence. That's what we learned on Monday. Now we're going to learn a deeper explanation on Why the conclusion of the giving of the Torah was on Purim? A thousand years it took until the Jews were able to fully accept the Torah. Basically, now we're going to learn that there is a certain, in order for the Torah to manifest into this world, there has to be a certain zichuch. There has to be a certain purification in in the in the uh, in the in the world. For the what does it mean to have Torah in the world? To have Torah in the world basically means that the world becomes divine. That's what it means. Learning Torah and doing mitzvahs means acting divine. Which means that when we're learning, we're engaged in a mitzvah, when we're studying Torah, we are at that moment embodying the divine. We're facilitating the divine. Our bodies, our hands, our limbs, our feet, our, definitely our, our spiritual faculties, our soul, is uh, facilitating a presence of God. The Shekhinah and the Oren Sof. not just the Shekhinah, the Oren self, the infinite one is flowing through us and within us when we do a mitzvah and when we study Torah. For that to happen um, down here in the, in the realms of creative, for Torah mitzvah, mitzvahs, its origins are really in the, in the supernal world. When we say supernal world we mean way above angels and way above the spiritual heights we're talking about the realms of the pure divine in Atsilus, in the world of emanation where there is only god so there the torah and mitzvot are the manifestation how god manifests himself in those world that's why the torah and mitzvot are called the limbs of the king but to translate down into to translate that down here into a world of limitation, a world of finite, and all the way down into the real finite world, which is our mitigated existence, our tiny little existence, that our actions should embody these super mega powerful infinite energies, it in and it of itself is a wild, is so wild, is so crazy. But more than that, there is another element, and that is that the world, the physical world down here below, is filled with evil. It's filled with darkness. It's filled with klipa. It's filled with 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 um, elements and powers that are antithetical to holiness and godliness. So, how can you get God to move into the slums? That's the question. How can the physical, which is so riddled with unholiness, since the the sin of the tree of the tree of knowledge, there became a massive mixture of good and bad, and klipa became embedded into everything. So, they, therefore, we're saying that the world needed a certain purification. That's why Torah could not be given immediately. They sinned, and then the world plunged into darkness. It took two thousand years of rectification and rectification, and during this time, the world became even more. Polluted, but on the, on a deeper level, there was a rectification taking pop, taking place through the powerful, intense purifications that were happening through the flood, which was one of the first stage of purification. And then primarily through the righteous individuals, Abraham, you know, our patriarchs and matriarchs, the, the tribes, and then the 70 souls that went down to Egypt and the final rectification, purification and purging. That's what it needed. The world needed purging for it to be ready to manifest. Godliness can manifest down here below. And that main purge happened where? When they were in Egypt, when the Jewish people were in Egypt. The suffering, the immense pain and suffering of the exile brought about this purification, which readied the world to now be ready to receive such, such godly light. However, the purification of the world by the mat, by the giving of the Torah was not to the fullest. And therefore, when the Jews received the Torah and therefore were given the ability to act, to live godly lives, it didn't really stick to them completely. They were on and off, on and off. We use the term that the Alter Rebbe uses in this discourse. I'm gonna to jump to the little parts that I hopefully understand a little bit so I can pretend that I know something. Uh, in the discourse, he, he, he's, there's a line here that's very, very beautiful. He says, um, I'm reading from further in the discourse. By the giving of the Torah was only the beginning of Tikon hakelin, to rectify the vessels. The physical, physical world should should be a rectified vessel that in it should be able to be enclothed divinity, right? Atsilos, the world of emanation, is already a rectified vessel. It's from the very get-go, it is purely godly. There's no impurity and imperfection in it. But when you take it down another three notches, take it down into the world of creation, which is so holy and so spiritual, but still a creation, and then take it down to the next realm of existence, which is the world of formation. And then bring it all the way down to the world of completion, the world of the material, physical world. And in the world of completion, there's two levels. There's the spiritual world of completion, and there's the physical world of completion. To bring it literally into the physical world, that the human hand, literally, the human arm that is giving tzedakah, that is giving um, uh, a charity, should be a funnel for God's, for God's Infinite kindness for God's hand, and that your hand is no more your hand; it's just a channel for the, for Hashem's hand coming through your hand, my hand, when we're doing charity. For that to happen, there needed to be what we call tikkun ha'kelim. The vessels needed to be rectified. So he says, by the giving of the Torah, it, the word, the condition of the world was that it was only haschalas tikkun ha'kelim. It was only the beginning of the rectification of the vessels. And as because the vessels were only partially rectified, so the download speed of the divine energy was also poor. So it's almost like the mitzvahs that they were doing in the early time, in the early days, was, as the words he uses over here, It's like God tells the Jewish people when they're going into the land of Israel, Hashem says to them, and they're taking a land that was once the land of the most corrupted society, corrupted pagan cultures, and they had to turn it into a holy land. So God tells the Jewish people and, and, and the fact that it was so unholy was also um, um manna, uh, uh, expressed itself in the fact that there were a lot of wild beasts in the land. Israel was roaming around with a lot of There was a lot of wild beasts in the land. That's what it seems from the verse. So God says, I am not going to chase them out right away. I'm not going to chase the nations out right away. Other than I'm mixing it up. I'm sorry, I misquoted. The verse says, I'm not going to chase the bad guys out right away. Because you are not large enough as a people to fill the entire land. Because you're not populated enough. Let's say in the land of the, the seven nations. were living living uh, maybe let's say uh, 15 million people. The Jewish people when they were coming into the land of Israel. Were only 2 million people. So if God was going to clear out the entire place. And all the seven nations would have been immediately um, um, banished. So there would be a lot of empty land in the land of Israel. And, and then it would fill with with wild beasts. So Hashem says ma'at ma'at agershenu Don't expect you to have a full, the full takeover immediately. I'm going to do it, but I'm intentionally I'm intentionally clearing out the the land of Israel from the ancient inhabitants. I'm doing it slowly so that you should fully be able to take the land and you'll populate and take the land. This is a, a verse two weeks ago. We read it said that verse so he uses that idea for the that just like in the land of so so that that was the physical physical story but spiritually it also means that it's that god saying that your holiness is not yet fully developed you need to increase your holiness you need to like develop yourself more so that you can take over the land and there won't be any wild beasts over there which means there won't be any negativity over there. You'll be able to implement godliness without it being you know, overrun by the klipas that are there. You see, it's always very, very dangerous. This is a major theme over here in the discourse. It's, very, it's, it's, very, it's a very irresponsible and reckless thing to bring intense divine energies in when there can be those who will usurp it and use it in a negative way. Because then it will give to the forces of darkness incredible un, unrestricted and unlimited powers. And that's dangerous. When, when bad guys get a hold of it, intense energy, very dangerous. That was the reason why Hashem did, protected the tree of life. God surrounded the tree of life. With the with these with these angelic beings, which are called like the fiery uh, sword, the flame of the fiery sword, which God put by the entrance to the tree of uh, to, the, to the to the garden of Eden. Because since why was God so worried that Adam and Eve will eat from that tree of life? Let them eat from the tree of life; they'll live. So we learned about that. That the reason Hashem did that was because since. Adam and Eve, Adam and Chava, incorporated within themselves klipa, a lot of unholiness. So they kind of downloaded a virus into their psyche. Now if they can eat from the tree of life, the virus itself is going to then also eat from the tree of life and then that virus would become eternal. It would live forever. They would live forever and the evil inclination would live forever. But that's not, God doesn't want that to happen. He wants the, the intention of creation is the evil inclination should expire. And all unholiness should expire. So whenever we draw down higher godly energies, there has to be a, an assurance that there is a clean place for it to come down. If the place is filthy and dirty, then the bacteria can, can live off this very, very, very great new influx of energy. And that is extremely dangerous. So that's why he says, by the giving of the Torah, the world was partially ready. The vessels were partially rectified. So the light came down, but only ma'at ma'at, only a little bit agar And he says, similar to that. And where do you see that they, and therefore the Torah didn't really fully click and fully register, if you can say, in the Jewish people. It remained a, a little bit like loose. It wasn't fully; didn't really take hold of them. And as he gives a proof, mm-hmm. the Jewish people were not in a state of perfection. If you read the book of Shoftim, to the book of Judges, you see a people that are struggling with their moral, with their moral selves. The people are very, very fluctuating. There are moments when they are very high and devoted and dedicated to God, and there are moments that they fall very low and very into our worship and into all kinds of other depravities. Like we saw the a couple of months ago, we were learning the story of the of the concubine of Pledge, but give that horrible story. So you see that they that there was a lot of garbage. There was a lot of ups and ups and downs because this godly life had not yet fully settled in them. By the story of Purim, there was something that happened during this, the, the, the pre-Purim that caused that, that they accelerated. In a very short period of time, they accelerated the purification. The people reached a level of, of immense purification very, very quickly. And he has to do a lot with the state of the people during the entire year when there was a threat of annihilation on their heads. During that time, the Jewish people, as an entire people, were in a state of complete devotion to God. So much so that they, they had a chance to save their lives by, by renouncing their Judaism. Jewish, their, Jewish, their Judaism. They could have, they could have, you know, uh, renounced their 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 connection to God and and assimilated into the Persian society, and then they would have. But no one, no one even had a thought to do that. Millions of people stood ready. Sacrifice of all the people caused such a purification in the world, and such a purification in their bodies that right now. The Torah was now ready to fully, to fully take hold, to fully manifest in their bodies and in the physical world. And therefore, that's what the meaning is that after Purim, we completely received the Torah. It, you know, it, it rings a little bit with the Monday class because the Monday class, we also spoke that through the Megillah, there was a, a purification of all the pollutants in the natural world, remember we learned that the nature itself became purified. We spoke about the world becoming clean and crystal and crisp, like a blue sky after the rains. You know, all the pollutants are gone. So there is that purification that happens through reading the Megillah through the story of Purim. It's similar to that, and this idea that there was a certain completion of the tikkun of the world, which as a result of that. Godliness can now safely manifest, and it will not be its the, its powerful energies will not be misused by klipa because we've cleansed a lot of klipa out. So the klipa became much weaker. A was destroyed. Uh, Haman, his his bunch of cronies, and all of these guys, anti Semites, were wiped off, and all of that brought about that after that the coast was clear for a full and powerful manifestation of, of the divine down here on earth, that through, through us and in us, and even into the materials of the world, we can implement the divine, which is Torah and Moses. That is what this discourse is going to explain. Now, I'm gonna say something interesting. A lot of the discourse, which is the part that I'm not getting yet, which I'm struggling with is he's going to explain that since by was phase two of the giving of the Torah, it's for that reason that we have a very interesting verse that Ahashverosh, who's the king, the Persian king then says to Haman, Haman, or the opposite. Haman says to Achashverosh, Haman says to Achashverosh. what does Haman say? Haman is the bad guy, right? He's the one who schemes up this whole plan to wipe out the Jewish people. When Achashverosh says to him, "What do you suggest should be done to someone who the king values, the king wants to honor?" Because that the king had been, had heard that night uh, he couldn't sleep, he had a sleepless night, and he was and it was read before him the chronicles, the the book of, and over there it was told to him that Mordechai saved his life. When he heard that, and Haman came to at that moment to to ask the king to hang Mordechai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. It was just at the right moment. And the king was becoming very nervous about him and about Haman because he started getting the sense that Haman is plotting to, to assassinate him. So at that moment, he asked Haman, what, do you, what would you say should be done? And Haman, because he was so arrogant, as the verse says, thought that the king was talking about him. And he says, the one that the king wants to honor you should bring the 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 garment that the king wore on the day of his coronation, and the, the 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 horse that the that the the king rode upon on the day of his of his coronation, and and dress this individual up with that with the with the garment that with the crown and put him on the on it. So if the king had any thoughts, if Haman has in his mind thoughts of being king. And overtaking the kingdom, he had now his validation. But the king tells him to go to take Mordechai, the Jew, and dress him like this and parade him around town. That's the story. As we saw last week, the Megillah, when we read the whole thing about this Haggai and the whole, the whole story with the women's the women's court, we realized that the Megillah has got a much higher story. If Ahasuerus is the king, I'm sorry, Ahasuerus, the king, is referring to God, like we learned last week. So, this whole story about bringing the 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 horse and the garment that the king wore, what is that referring to? What's the deeper story? It means like this: the day God became king over the world was the day of the giving of the torah so when we say bring the horses and bring the garment that the king wore when he was when he was coronated, referring to the day that God is coronated on the world. Because God didn't have a nation that was devoted to his, to his will and to serving him until the giving of the Torah. That's when we accepted his kingship. We became his servants, his subjects. And God, God's, emperor, God's empire in the world, God's kingdom in the world was initiated. When Mashiach comes, it's going to be in its full completion. Because it's not just going to be over the Jewish people. It's going to be all over all of mankind. But at, the, at Sinai, it was over Israel. Now, since this is the completion of the giving of the Torah, so we have to have the same garment and the same horse. So where do we find by the giving of the Torah that God was riding on a horse? Well, it says in the verse, Kisir When you came riding on your horses, Marka Yeshua your chariots of salvation, And over here, the main bulk of the discourse goes on to explain what's the function of the supernal horse by the giving of the Torah and why by Purim we ought to bring out the horses again. It's so phenomenal, this is where I was going, that every discourse we're learning this year is about horses. Do you realize that the last few months? And I feel like I don't understand this discourse. I thought to myself, maybe I need to go horseback riding. This week. So, if I have a better understanding on the discourse next week, I'll let you know. If sometime, or maybe on Purim, I'll get myself a nice, big, tall horse and run around town riding on the horse. That'll be cool. And maybe by riding on the horse, it will clarify and I'll get to understand the concept of the supernal horse. But the medium, the main idea, I mean, the outline of the discourse is that since Purim is phase two of the giving of the Torah, It needs to be enacted in the same way the first time it was done a thousand years earlier, where there was a garment and the garment where the king dresses himself and the horse that the king is riding on. So we find that Haman is suggesting to bring the same thing. So you have to say that even though Haman is talking and he's thinking about his own honor, through him and in his words were embedded the deeper higher godly story. That the Torah is now about to come to the world. And for that we need to prepare the supernal horse. To help facilitate the drawing of godliness down to the world. Which will then become the the, the, uh, the next level of observance of mitzvahs, of Torah and mitzvahs. That's the idea. Now everybody can go home already. <laughs> Once we learned that, now we can go and learn. Be it on now. Let's learn inside. Hinyin, hinay. So the first, the first paragraph, thank God, is very learnable, very understandable. It's the second paragraph where he starts talking about the horses that I am that I am um, pretty much confused. So let's see. Maybe we'll leave that for next week. We'll just learn this part. But as long as I gave the outline, so you're getting the idea. Let's read. Hinyin, for behold, in kaim of Ramavinu. See, the beginning of the original discourse remember I said this we said earlier that this discourse is an explanation on the discourse before this over there in that discourse which is the main discourse here it's again the explanation he he, um, he's explaining this idea that by Purim it was a completion of the giving of the Torah we accepted the Torah that we've So that way, by the way, I'm going to, one second, uh, going back to what we were talking earlier, it doesn't say God gave the Torah on Purim. It says we completed our Kabbalah. Kabbalah means our recipients. As we were able, as we said, because we purified the vessels, we were now able to really assimilate it. It was able to come in deeply inside of us so that we can start becoming divine beings. Because again, observance of Torah and mitzvahs, living the life of Torah and mitzvahs, makes a person be a divine being. When Moshiach comes and the Torah and mitzvahs are completely integrated and assimilated into every fiber of our being, it says the angels will say to the righteous people, to the tzaddikim, and this is referring to all those who kept mitzvot, or tzaddikim, they're going to say to every single one, holy, holy, holy is God of hosts. And what does it mean when angels say holy? When they're saying holy, it means amazing thing. When they're saying holy to God, what do they want? They just want to praise God? That's nice. But they want more. They recognize God transcends them. That's what holiness means. Holiness means removed, above, beyond. They recognize God transcends them. And they want to draw down of that transcendental light into to that that should be infused in them. So they want some of the transcendence to manifest in them so that they too will now have of the higher light. And that's what it means when they say, holy, 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 they're downloading holiness. So who are they downloading holiness from? Throughout from when the world was created until now, until from who are they downloading holiness from? They're downloading it from God. And watch the amazing thing. When the Mashiach will come, that means, where are they downloading it? From above heaven. The heavens above are trying to download holiness from what is beyond heaven. That means all the angels are turning upward with their eyes up from heaven. They're looking upward from, to a place where they can download that holiness. When Mashiach will come, they will look down to earth and they will upload holiness, download holiness. They're going to say to the Jewish people down here below, enclosed in bodies, holy, holy, holy. By saying holy, holy, they will be uploading holiness because the essence of holiness is going to manifest down here in bodies. What does that mean? Only God is holy. Well, God will no more be above the world. God will be manifest in the physical world. And from the physical world, all holiness, all spiritual enlightenment and godly infusion will be pumped up to heaven from earth because earth will be infinitely holier than heaven. And those who kept mitzvot, which are all, the, all of your people are all fully righteous, which means as a result of the observance of mitzvahs, in into our two hundred and forty eight limb physical body will be vested the two hundred and forty eight limbs of God through the mitzvot, which are two hundred and forty eight mitzvot, and from here will be the essence of all holiness. So once we get that, but again, in order for this to happen, we'd have to it had to first click, and it clicked. It has to first be. The body, the physical, needs to be ready for it. And it came in two stages. The giving of the Torah, which was one state, and the next state was the story of Purim. Now, um, in the main discourse, he began with a question. In order to appreciate and understand why it took till Purim, in order to be able to get there, why did it take a thousand years? Why, why couldn't they immediately get it? He says, because we first need to understand what does it mean, the giving of the Torah? What really happened? What do you mean, what really happened? God gave us the Torah. So he says, but not so. We know that the sages tell us that Abraham kept the Torah before it was given. Avram kept the entire Torah before. This we also made mention on Monday night. Monday night, we explain, from a believe was because Avram was so sensitive to his soul. So he knew what is the nourishment of what his soul needs to eat so he understood and appreciated every mitzvah from within his soul. It was like it was natural to him. Here he's going to give a little bit of a different explanation, the same idea of why Avram was able to observe the Torah before it was given. He's going to show us how that is an enormous greatness of Avram, which indicates what a powerful soul he was, that he was able to achieve the Torah and mitzvahs before they were given. But at the same time, he's going to turn around and he's going to show how lacking Avram's Torah mitzvah was. On the one hand, he was able to do it all without the physical mitzvahs that were given to us by the giving of the Torah. He was able to do it, whatever the Torah is, which is a connection to the divine, he was able to establish it from within himself without the need of physical commandments. But on the other hand, he's going to show us how how incomparably weaker God Abraham's mitzvahs were to our mitzvahs that we do in a physical form. Once will he appreciate how awesomely potent and powerful our mitzvot are, in what sense in manifesting the divine. In capturing God and and channeling God, that our channels are so much more potent and powerful than Abraham's channels, not because of who we are, but because whose children we were as his children, and the Torah was given to us. Well, then we'll appreciate and understand how how like, what happened by the giving of the Torah. And then we understand why it took time, why this is not something that should happen like. This. It's the, basically the concept we spoke earlier, the idea of tikkun of the kelem. Because Avraham Avinu, by his mitzvahs, they, he was not drawing the godliness into physical vessels. He was connecting his soul to the divine, but he wasn't drawing it into physical vessels. So the physical did not need such purification yet for his type of observance. But there is something so much greater when God manifests in physical essence, not only that it's even affecting the physical, but that it's much higher and much potent divine light when it's coming down into physicality, which should really have the opposite of effect. It should be much weaker. Turns out it's the opposite. It's the most potent form of channeling the divine when we can do it when we could do it in the physical. So there's something awesome about doing it in the physical. But to do it in the physical takes a certain purification of the physical. Which that level of purification was achieved by the giving of the Torah only to a certain degree and was greatly enhanced by the Purim story. So therefore, we first have to, he's first going to give us a whole explanation of what kind of service Abraham did. What was his spirituality? What was his connection to the Torah and the mitzvahs? Then he's going to explain the quality of what happened by the giving of the Torah. Then we'll understand the novelty of Purim. That's how the the discourse is structured. Okay, so now we're ready to learn. Concept that Abraham kept the entire Torah. Avram, our father kept the whole Torah before it was given. What does that mean, Hainu? It doesn't mean that Avram Avinu did the physical mitzvahs because they weren't given yet. Hainu, what does it mean? Whatever we accomplish with our mitzvahs, he would he was able to accomplish without the mitzvahs. Now, when I say whatever, it means the basic idea, not on the level that we do it. But the basic idea of what is, the, what, what, what is what is accomplished or what happens when we do a mitzvah. And what, what happens when we do the mitzvah is that we facilitate the divine. Facilitating the divine meaning, let me turn it into tr- simple, simple, simple um, words that we can understand. We download the divine into ourselves when we're doing the mitzvah. Now when we say we download the divine we don't only mean I'm using divine is not a good word we download god not divinity divinity could imply to certain limited and and and, and uh contracted um um emanations of god limited contracted already um 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 filtered energies of God. That's not the point. That's great. That that it would be wonderful on its own. But we're talking about something much higher. Talking about unfiltered, infinite light of God. That, to be able to channel that and download that, that's really becoming infused with infinity. That's the beauty of Torah and Mitzvah. In Torah and Mitzvahs, we reach the infinite and we draw the infinite without filtering it. We enable the infinite, when I say without filtering, meaning without reducing its voltage, that the infinite can flow through us and in us and become eventually integrated with us. So that basic idea of connecting to the infinite and and downloading the infinite, Abraham already achieved that. Although his flow was a far less potent flow than the flow that happens today when we do a mitzvah. He didn't have the physical mitzvah. But he's going to explain how Abraham accomplished it. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all of our patriarchs and matriarchs, they accomplished it through their spiritual service. I know, what does that mean? And sheikh, that Avram Avinu, our father Avram. Draw, drew down, or light, from the encompassing and light. In Kabbalah and mysticism, it explains that God fills all worlds, that God fills all worlds. Filling all worlds means that God mitigates his energy, reduces his energy to the to the finite. That's why he fills, like filling a cup. I could only fill the cup with water, the amount of water that fills into this glass, into this whatever. I can't put in the entire bottle into this because this cup is too small. So to fill it has to be, the water has to be commensurate with the vessel. So when we say God fills all worlds, that's what I mentioned earlier called divinity. Divine light that fills the creation. But it isn't bigger than the creation. It's the, it's the inner energy of the creation. It's the force in creation, but it's still limited to the constrictions of time and space, to the constrictions of creation. But then there is what we call the encompassing light. The encompassing light is God's infinite light that is boundless, that has never reduced itself. And that's what, that's what it means. That's what of means. Avraham Avinu was able to enact, draw down, and download the infinite, transcendental light of Shazahu, which he says, this is what all of Torah and all of Mitzvahs is all about. If you really you don't want to get the, the crux of it, the crux of all of Judaism is to facilitate the bond between the infinite and the finite. It's to draw down Gilya oyer of It's to draw down the sivev, the infinite light of God, into the creation. Where do we see that this is the crux of all of Yiddishkeit? So, the we know that before every time we do a mitzvah, before we do any 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 uh, any godly act, any commandment, we say, or even if we don't say it then, but we say it in the morning and it covers the whole day. We say, l'shem yichud, that all of this, the, uh, my observance, my service to God, l'shem, should be for the sake, yichud, of causing a unification. Ushechinte, between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. What is a Kaddish Baruch Hu and Shekhinah? Shekhinah is the limited light of God, God dwelling within the creation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the masculine light of God, the infinite light, the transcendental light. And we're saying the purpose of my mitzvah is to fuse, to cause a fusion between these two energies. The infinite light should fuse into the finite light. And if the Shekhinah, that is the finite aspect of God, God's imminence within creation, is filled with the infinite light, from the Shekhinah, who is the soul of creation, it will trickle into the creation itself. That the creations themselves will be, will open up to receive infinite light and infinite power inside of them. Eternity and, and infinity and so on and so forth. the has explained in many places. So all of Judaism in a nutshell is to cause this marriage, this fusion. Look in the discourse, which I checked up, which he explains it's very beautifully, this idea. And in the, verse, uh, the discourse on the verse of which I did not look up. Uh, but I don't know what it says over there, even though we learned that discourse many years ago. And therefore, oh, so this. Fusion, Abraham is the first person who began this union. That's why it says, that the, Ari, the Arizal says that from Avram Avinu starts the Yichud. That's the words of the Arizal. The Yichud, the unification, the marriage of heaven and earth begins with Abraham. And that is the reason why Avraham's service... If we look in the Torah about his, what the Torah tells us about Avram, we find him that he was that he was journeying, and in his journey he says he was going and he was he was he was haloch he, 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 he was he was moving vinasoa and he was traveling. So the deeper meaning of going and traveling, simply it means going traveling. He's moving one direction. But the way the mystics explain what it means he was going and traveling means he was moving and returning, moving and returning. So Avram is, and this is the kind of a description, not just of one journey that Avram took. This is like once Avram became 75 and God communicated with him. The story of Lech Lecha, the first commandment to Abraham is go, and then for the rest of his life, He's on the move. That's the idea. He got to, have to go to the promised land. But he, once he comes into the promised land, you find him traveling and traveling. And he's, he's going from here. He's, 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 he's setting up his tent in this place. And then he's setting up his tent in that, in that place. So these physical travels were just a reflection of the spiritual movement that was going on in his soul. And how was he traveling? He was traveling in a manner in which he was going forward and retracing moving forward and retracing back and forth this concept as he says he was racing and retracted why why do you find him? let him move why was he always in a state of going and going back and going and going back because when you try when a finite being is reaching for infinite energy and tries to connect to infinite energy and doesn't want to lose his or her identity in this process You can only touch it and retract, touch it and retract. Because if you go all the way in, in one one dimension, then you become sucked up by the infinite and you lose your existence completely. So in order, and that's not the intention. The intention is for you to remain. The purpose over here is God wants us to anchor him and pull him down into the world. So the, it would defeat the purpose if you get so excited about the infinite and you allow the infinite to suck you up into the infinite, and then you lose your boundaries of what defines you as being you. You kind of melt away into the infinite. Like happened to the two sons of Aaron the day that the, the Mishkan was hinted to in this week's Parsha. God says, I will become sanctified with my holy ones. Parsha Tzavah, which means that later we find the terrible story when Nadav and an passed out when they were bringing the, because they allowed themselves to be sucked in, into the infinite light of God without any restraints. That's not the purpose. So when, here's the thing, if one is engaging and interacting only with the finite lights, with the emanations of God that are, that are contained in vessels, that are limited. So that type of energy, you don't have to re, touch it and retract, touch it and retract. Because it's possible to enter into a vessel. So you can kind of take it and, and have it. But when you're touching the infinite. When you're bonding with the orange self. And you're causing it. What does it mean to touch it? it? means that you're causing the infinite to reveal itself inside of you. It can only be in a state of yes and no. Yes and no. Positive and negative energy. Uh, input, whatever they call it. It's like electricity that has a, a yeah and a no. These two things have to constantly. The, this is the, the, the pulse of it because to draw down from such a lofty place which is beyond the entire chain-like progression of worlds means a chain meaning above the descent of God, you're reaching God Almighty Himself in all of His infinity and you want to connect to that place on that level of the of 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 energy cannot be drawn it can only be accessed through a manner of racing towards it and retracting so that's why avram in his service to hashem was always in a state of racing retracting he was traveling and therefore and that is the reason why when avram was physically traveling his physical travels were just a reflection of what was going on in his soul abraham served god with love how did abraham attract the infinite he was attracting the infinite the infinite should reveal and god speaks to him why because abraham god reveals himself to those who seek him abraham was seeking god but it's not just seeking like you know a little seeking abrahams became obsessed with god and his desire and he experienced the most powerful unimaginable quest and yearning for the infinite to reveal him reveal itself to him and in that intense that's called Abraham is the is the champion of love he's the he is the facilitator of divine love so his love is indescribable his yearning his desire for that for that infinite and so that was his service but the way he achieved it was he he experienced intense love but he would retract recoil, recoil, race and recoil because again if his love would allow him if he would just allow the love to just go all the way, take him all the way, he wouldn't come back he wouldn't be alive in this world therefore the service of Avram of his love his boy, And what caused Avram to experience this boundless love which caused God to, to reveal himself to Avram's neshama was because Avram meditated on the transcendence of God. You see, if Avram meditation would have been, God, whatever you're reaching for, that's what can possibly be revealed to you. If Avram's excitement would have been to God as he's a source of creation, then only the God that's a source of creation would reveal itself to him. But Avram understood that God is much bigger than being a source of creation. And that's where Avram's desire was to peek at, to see, to experience the transcendence of God. Like the angels, they'll say, holy, holy, holy. They recognize that God is above. So Avram had this burning desire for the transcendence of God. And that's why God appeared to Avram Avinu from the transcendental place. But to somewhere so high, that energy can't settle in your vessels. You can touch it, and then it, it, it's 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 present, it's revealed and not revealed. It's there and not there. That's the back and forth. There is the tension. There has to be an, an intent, there has to be an ongoing tension between yes and no happening. Which stemmed from his contemplation. The love came from his mind, from his understanding, from his appreciation of the Sajayi kalam of the encompassing energy of God. Was it a manner of racing forward and recoiling backwards why havazu. the soul cannot tolerate the illumination the radiance of this love it's not it's not the radiance of your love when you're loving somebody and you're actually making a connection there's a love going in both directions the love of 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 Person A to Person B, and Person B allowing themselves to be loved and, and shining their light or their energy to Person A. So in our case, when Abram is loving God and God's revelation to him in that love, the soul can't can't the soul being finite in the sense that it's a soul of a, of a person um, cannot tolerate it. Can't can't with so it can touch it, it can sense it, it can be it can bathe in that love. But it needs to, it needs to, it needs to pull back, recoil, back and forth, back and forth. Ki yim vishuv only in a state of running and returning. So now you have. That's the reason why in the story of Lech Lecha it speaks about Avram traveling holach nasiya back and forth. It's more than just a story about physical traveling. It's a very deep concept that was going on in the inner, the inner experiences of Abraham of Avram. There's a verse and he says, look in the in the, in, in um Torah, on the discourse in the volume two of this book of Torah which is Lakuti Torah in the Maimar and Shmeyat Saris on Sukkas discourses. Over there, there's a short discourse on the words It is better to find shelter in God, than to um than to trust in man so the obvious question is you need king david to tell you that better to trust in god and trust man of course you shouldn't trust any man you should trust only god put your faith and put your trust in god not in people people can't deliver god could deliver it's much deeper meaning when we says man it doesn't mean you know Mr. Finkel, uh, whatever. When it says man, it's speaking about the supernal man. It's better to find shelter in God than to trust in the supernal man. What does it mean? We spoke earlier. God manifests himself already into containers and into vessels. That's called the supernal man. That's what we call the, the indwelling light of God, Mamala Kalam, and where God kind of takes on a form already. He limits himself into vessels. And then there is Hashem's infinity, the Orient Soul, the soul of Kalam. So the verse is saying like this The benefit of a person meditating on the divine that is imminent and within the world, starting off by being within the divine attributes. The benefit of connecting to that level of godliness is that you don't have to connect and retract, connect and retract. That level of godliness, since it's the source of containers and the source of vessels, and it goes into vessels and it goes into containers, is something that you can connect to and completely assimilate it and be comfortable with. However, if you're meditating on transcendental energy, on the infinite light of God, you can touch it and recall like touching a hot fire. Yeah, and no, you can like, just a, a quick, a quick, you have to pull back immediately, or else it will swallow you alive. So therefore, one might argue and think, it's better to connect to a lower level of the divine that you can kind of assimilate into yourself without having to let go of it, versus connecting to the infinite where you have to let go. And the fact that you have to hold on and let go means that even when you have it, you're not really grasping it. It's always aloof. So the verse is saying like this, listen here closely to the words. It's better to find shelter in Yutke Vavke. Yutke Vavke is the infinite line. The tetragrammaton referring to the infinity. Even though you're only finding shelter, shelter meaning when you find shelter in a, when it's raining outside and you find shelter in a little booth, the booth is above you. It's above you. You're going under an awning, you're going under something, it's higher than you. It's better to connect yourself to the to godliness that's higher than you, even though you can only shelter in it. You can't really absorb it. Mibtoach, toach comes from the word to fully attach yourself. It means to, to become like cemented or to become like sealed. Baadam and the supernal man above. Even though over here you can kind of you know really latch onto it and hold on to it, and here you can only touch it and leave go touching it. But it's better why? Because this is infinite. And that is already a limited divinity. So in their is where he's explaining this concept, that when one meditates on God's imminence and it produces love, that kind of love can be a constant. It doesn't need to come in a way where you, where you get close and you step back. But when you're dealing with a higher connection, over there the voltage is so high that you can only or touch it and move back so this is what so here's the beauty of it this infinite light which we channel down when we're learning torah and doing mitzvahs we're actually channeling that light down into our bodies abraham was able to accomplish it not through a mitzvah abraham Avram, avram was able to accomplish it through his yearning, through his love, through his spiritual, psychological experiences that were taking place, this meditative soul. He was, an, he was an unbelievable philosopher and thinker. And he would meditate very deeply on the divine. And he would experience intense yearnings for God that are just incomprehensible how intense those were. And he reached this level of attaching himself, not just to the divine, but to the God to God itself, to the infinite. How did he do it? As we learned, yes and no. There was the yes and no factor, the plus and the minus. Continuous. Once Avram made that connection, his children, the rep, which are us, we were given that as a gift. We don't need to make the most massive meditative journeys in order to connect to the infinite light. It's given to us. We have all the buttons that are Avram needed to do the wiring himself. We have the wires all connected. All we need to do is hit the download button. And that's through our mitzvahs. Now, it's interesting in the discourse, he says, since in order to connect to such infinite light, you can only do it in a way in order that it shouldn't completely destroy us. Um, you can only do it in a way in which you are, as we said before, plus and minus. A yes and a no. That's why our mitzvahs are also given to us in a yes and no. The positive mitzvahs, our mitzvahs are divided in general into two types. Positive mitzvahs and prohibitive mitzvahs. So the yes in the mitzvahs, the positive mitzvahs is the yes. It's the soul surging outward to connect. It's the plus. It's the, it's the touching delight. And then the prohibitive mitzvah, which in living the life of a Jew is constantly this, yeah, this I need to do, this I shouldn't do. In the, in, in the not doing, we recoil. In the yet doing, we're, we're connecting. So we have what Avram did in his spiritual service, we have it already all ingrained in a certain system that contains the yet and the no. So it would seem like we're even with Abraham he was able to do it through his meditation we connect to the infinite it's all finished business you, you 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 put on tefillin. the the infinite is 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 flowing but we need to understand sometimes it is considered even though we hail Avraham, we applaud him. The, our forefathers, for how what they were able to achieve without, as we say, we say Abraham was able, to, did all the mitzvahs without, without having, before it was given. Right, He was able to, the spiritual dynamics of the mitzvahs he achieved. But there are times that this is considered, it's considered a deficiency. That he did not merit the Torah and the mitzvahs. He came on a little too early in history. And he lived. He lived before the before the giving of the Torah. And we say it's a shame, you know. If only he could have only lived to get the Torah, then he would have really right. So, but hold it! Didn't we say whatever we do through the Torah, he did it So he don't explain now. In the next till now in the whole the rest of the first chapter, the first paragraph, he's going to explain why our service of our mitzvahs exceed Abraham's spiritual connection we would think Abraham's was much greater than ours because since you're doing he was doing it through his own service he actually felt the infinite we channel the infinite we don't feel anything we put on tefillin we don't necessarily feel anything we light shabbos candles we don't necessarily feel anything and Abraham would feel the infinite he would to the point as we said earlier you have to let go immediately and where we also have that, but we're not really co- cognizant of it. But yet there is a much deeper godliness flowing in our mitzvahs. And that's what he's going to explain now. At times it's considered a a, a, a lacking. That he was not he did not merit to the Torah and the mitzvot the Torah and the mitzvah that were given at Sinai. This will be understood the beer in Pirish Nasavinishma. We'll understand that when we, the Torah was given to us, we said, Nasa we will do, the Nishma we will hear. So, usually the question everybody asks is, and I asked the same question on Monday how can you do before you hear? You can first hear and then you can do. You got to first know what, what you need to do. But here he gives a deeper meaning into the do and the hear. And the point of here is like this When we're doing a mitzvah, what are we doing? When we're doing a mitzvah, we are doing a physical action. We're setting up a certain physical physical um, um, situation. Okay? Um, what's the mitzvah? Next week, we have a few special mitzvahs. People are busy making baskets now, special decorating, and everybody's figuring out creative ways of making shalach manas. It's the mitzvah of Purim that we should send we should send gifts, food gifts, to other people. So you make a little basket for Purim. And when you do that, God is now, I, don't know, I don't know, most people to forget about When they're doing the Shalach manas, they're actually doing a mitzvah, and God is now manifesting in their life through this mitzvah. So when you're doing, when you're setting up, the two things are happening. There is the physical item. You go into the grocery store and buying a chocolate and uh, whatever else you're giving, a little bottle of grape juice or wine. You got your mitzvah, you got your two items. Put it in a little something, you deliver it to your neighbor. There you go, you got your mitzvah. When you did the mitzvah, the mitzvah is the vessel, the container. In this mitzvah, the infinite lie dwells in this action. While you're giving it over, there is a flow of your mind. You're not feeling it, but there is a there is a flow of infinity that's flowing in this action, in your, in that doing of the mitzvah. So here's the thing. The action represents creating the vessel that's called nase. we will do. The we will hear means, not just we, not, not we will hear. Means the means the download of the infinite. That's called hearing. Why? Because the word Nishma also comes from the word to gather. There's a verse that says Vayeshama Sha'ol is called a, um, that Sha'ol King Saul gathered the people. And in the word, in that biblical verse, it uses the word Nishma same root as the word nishma, but it doesn't mean listening, it means to gather together. So is he basically saying what the Jewish people said at Sinai, we will provide vessels, the nishma, and then we will draw down the lights into the vessels. A whole new meaning of nasa v'nishma. We will create the vessel and then we will draw the light. But you, would, you, you can ask the question, why start with making the vessel? Maybe you should first access the light draw the light down, and then we'll create a vessel afterwards to hold the light. But he says that that's not the water. It doesn't work that way. When there is no vessel, there is no light. That's the rule. That's the rule. You need to have containers for lights to reveal itself. For divine energy, for any energy to come down, the vessel precedes the energy. Create me a vessel, you'll have light. No vessel, no light, which means no flow. Ah, the who? And this is this is the idea, okay? And then, but he's going to explain why is that? Why? Why do you need containers to draw divine divinity down? What's the purpose of that? Who? Kinase? Because nasa means we will do It means we will prepare the vessels. Al like we find. The 248 commandments, these are the 248 limbs of the king. What's a limb? A limb is a container for an energy. The soul's energy flows in the limbs. The 248 mitzvahs are the 248 limbs of the king. In heaven, they are the spiritual limbs of God. Down here below, they take on a physical form. As we said, the mitzvah of sending gifts to your friend, your neighbor on, on Purim, do it any other day, it's nothing, but do it on Purim, it's one of the 248, it's not a biblical commandment, okay, it's it's from the rabbinic commandment, but you do the, you do the physical action, you're creating the vessel, through which the divine energy will flow. These are the vessels, the gili are inside. Baruch, for the revelation of the infinite one, blessed to see, just like a limb or the organ, is a, is a, is a vessel to the energy that falls from the soul. That's nasa. Nasa means we will create the vessels. And when we say we will do and then we will hear, what does that mean? Once you have the container. Once the container is there, now you can download the energy to flow into the vessel. Ayyad mitzvizu mitzvazu, anyone fulfills this mitzvah. Now that we know what nasa means. Nasa means creating the vessels. And Nishma means to pump the light, to pump the energy. So why did they put Nasa first? Maybe we should pump the energy first and then we'll we'll worry about containers. So the reason is Ain't al Fisha mitzvishem Kalim. Because the mitzvot, which are the vessels, they are the ones that cause that the lights should come down. Without the vessels, the lights don't manifest. The and that the lights should be drawn, the and that they should expand Baha that they should spread out into the vessels. The imloya but if there is no containers, there are no vessels. The energies would remain completely in their abstract withdrawn the energies would remain in their source they would not emanate outward. they need containers. he 's going to explain two explanations of why energy will never flow unless there is a container first one, one one reason and then a deeper reason, a more simpler reason and then a higher reason it 's not just two separate explanations. It's two. It's one within the next. Okay. the first explanation is as follows. Based on what it says, he's going to give a very physical demonstration to this. The verse says that God is compared to fire. God is a, a consuming fire. So if the verse cons- comp- now, God obviously is not fire. God creates fire. Fire is one of His creations. The fact that from all substances the Torah chooses to compare God to a fire, and when we find that when God does appear in the physical world, in many, many revelations he appears like flames of fire, and so on and so forth. Why the fire? Because the fire best expresses the way certain elements the fire are, are very reflective of abstract energy, as we'll see soon. So whenever you see a fire, you see like this. For behold, our visible fire is a manifestation, a physical uh, manifestation of a more abstract energy. Why do we see that? De- Yesh you say this. There are four elements in the world, and okay? this is a fundamental understanding of Kabbalah. Everything is made up of four elements, ancient philosophers all looked at the world in this way that there is ash there is fire there is ruach there is wind there is mem which is maya which is water and iron which is offer that means the four elements fire wind water and earth now we the way they are everything is everything is composed from these four elements as maimonides discusses at great length in the beginning of his. But these four elements, we understand there are heavier elements amongst and there's earth, which is heavier. Water is less than earth, not as heavy as earth. And wind is lighter and fire is the lightest. So based on that, if you stack them up one on top of the other, the earth will go to the bottom. The water will be the next. Like we find that water sits on top of the globe, on top of the earth. Above that is air. And above all of that is the is is fire so the ancient uh philosophers who understood this had a problem they were wondering how come when you look up at the sky you don't see if fire is high then somewhere when we look up out into the atmosphere we should see the glowing uh, element of the uh, fire how come we don't see fire they all were very much There should be a circle of fire that's kind of like above the atmosphere when we're looking out we should see this circle this ring of fire we don't or any direction we look it should be completely a sphere of fire around so they explain that the essence of the element of fire is not hot it's not glowing it's not radiant the essence is invisible it's a very thin type of air it's a type of gas if you might call it it's very 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 thin very very thin i mean very unsubstantial, very elegant, very pure, very, when it comes into action, it flares up as fire, but in its essential state, in other words, its revelation is, is luminance as fire. When it, But in its essential state, that's why you don't see fire, even though it exists as whenever we create a fire, we somehow draw down that energy into manifestation. But here we find, here we find an interesting thing, you never see floating fires in the atmosphere, just out there, suddenly there's flashes of manifesting of this, in other words, since there's an element of essential fire, which is out there, and when it reveals itself, it reveals itself as hot and fire, so we should have like flashes of, we do have lightning, but that's something else. We should have just moments when these fire, like suddenly like fire turns out on the sky. Like this gas. The answer is it doesn't because it needs a vessel to hold on to. It never manifests without a vessel. So here it is. If you prepare wood and you prepare other flammable materials, you strike a match. You kind of draw this energy. This energy is kind of like, I don't know how it works, and the science of it, I have no idea. How kind of, when I say the science, I mean modern science and even ancient science of exactly how this would work, I don't know. How you actually draw upon this power that's there. And now, only when you have a vessel, you have wood or, or, or other, as we said, flammable material, can that now fire come down into a manifest actualized, perceivable by the eye and hot fire. The moment, and what happens? It burns and burns and burns until there's nothing to consume anymore. the is no, until there's nothing left over of the vessel. And then what happens to that powerful energy that was just there? Could be a blazing inferno. It could be huge. What happens to it? It disappears. Where did it go? It reverts back to its pure... Essential state which is undetectable and un can't see it, you don't know it, but it's there. So, God is exactly the same thing. That's in that sense, God is compared to fire, He's invisible, undetectable, He is, but not in any way that we can. Oh, you create the right vessels for Him, which is the mitzvot, then you have Him in a manifest state, you have the divine present in a real like, fire suddenly it's here it's hot it's powerful you get all the energy from it fire can cook it can run an engine it can all this fuel power that the fire creates is enormous but you got you got to activate it 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 doesn't activate itself without a vessel that's the point and the vessel has to be the first you have the vessel it will connect so now we'll read that inside. dal is the element of fire is above Miruach Ma'im, higher than wind and higher than water and offer and earth. it's under the the constellation of the moon or the whatever it's called, the uh orbit of the moon. The Yesh baina khayrim be musa. And the philosophers have a question regarding its substance of this fire why were they bothered their question is why at night is it dark that means you look up you don't see the glowing lights of the of the fire that surrounds that the element of fire that surrounds the and the answer is that the the visible light and fire that is taking hold of the wick, the etzim, and of wood. That's not the essence of the fire. Zaha'ada, this is an illumination. Vahashpa, and it influenced me, the pure, invisible, undetectable, essential fire is now downloading, so to speak. It downloads into a fire it's it's a revelation of it but the element of fire on its own it's the source of the light and of the fire but it itself is not at all it's not in any way like fire that's on a wick the fire that's on the wick our order is only a ray and and something that was drawn from it but not it that's why from the element of fire at all there's no light coming from it it's only when you draw down a download of it something of that fire and it and how do you draw it down only with a vessel as we're gonna see then you get heat and brightness and all the qualities of what we know of a physical fire only when the fire got drawn down onto a wick as he mayor that's when it is shiny however we see that this ray if you say it takes a ray of it a download of it why doesn't it just flare up anywhere at all time what we see and what is it what causes that the fire should be drawn from its, from its source from its elementary fire this is the wick or the wood which they serve as the containers in which the fire takes hold and that's when it's drawn when there is a vessel and reveals itself down here, which means to our physical senses, sensors. Which isn't the case when you do not have a wick, or when the wick got burnt up, So then the fire retracts, it retracts to its to its private to its private state, to it being within it, within it, within itself. And when it is within itself, we don't even see it. We don't even, we can't apprehend it. We don't know it. It's a type of invisible type of, I don't know, whatever. It goes back to its source of the foundation of the fire, which means, and it reverts mehagiloi from a manifest revealed state, back to a private concealed state. And to us, it's just darkness. And all this is metaphoric. We can, we can understand this. We can appreciate this above. God compares himself to fire, which needs a vessel. Now, above, there are spiritual vessels. The ten sephirot, the ten attributes, are made up of vessels. What are the vessels of the sephirot? their design like this is kindness so that's already considered a container of this then there is the light what's the light the pure power the energy of god is not kindness and not severity and not compassion and not these are all already considered bodies they're all considered already definitions it's just pure simple abstract energy that's the light But but the light is what gives power but that light will not give power and not manifest outward it will mean God will remain totally in in himself in his invisible unknowable abstract self unless there is a vessel there in which he can take on and and serve as a power for that for that for that energy but there has to be a container so the light to the light is a revelation and a flow. From the supernal emanator, Baruch Hu blessed is He, the hakeli, and the vessel, Upchinas Esersphiros. That's the ten attributes: Chochma, Ubinah, beginning with the the attribute of wisdom and the attribute of understanding, which are the int, int the the intellectual attributes. And then there is Chagas, which are the emotional attributes, which stands for Chesed, Gvurah Teferes, kindness, severity, and beauty. And, and the other four, which these are the containers, over there is where the or aint sof takes on, is able to like take hold of something, and now become We know that there's no visibility of God to the creation only through the supernal man, only through the image. God projects himself like a king, like a father, like a shepherd, something. He comes into a state of revelation. Other than that, he's utterly unknown and private. But in order for him to come down, he has to flow his energy into something, and these are the vessels. So now we understand what this very, these 200, sorry, these 10 sephirot above, if you break them if you further analyze them in all their detail, these are the 10 attributes, you'll find that there's really 248. The 10 turn into 248. Why? Because there's, there's the hey Oh, now. And those 248, we create that, that same supernal man we created in a physical form by doing the physical mitzvahs. The same supernal man. And in that, God can now manifest in our physical bodies. It can literally be in our body. But we have to organize our bodies to to be consistent with the 248 limbs above. And that's what mitzvahs are. Mitzvahs is just the manual and the instructions of how we align our physical, physical bodies and selves with the supernal man above. We conduct ourselves. We eat the same diet that God eats in heaven. We, we dress the same way that God dresses. We avoid the clothing that he would not wear and the food that he would not eat. And we take the rest day that he would rest. And we do exactly like we behave the godly, we translate the godly down here. This is just physical containers that are now incorporating within them the spiritual containers. And they're all containers. And once there is containers, the flow the power flows inside of us. Infinite energy. And as we said earlier, we become divine, we become conduits of the divine. But the main point is you need a first time of this. And that's why said we will do, and then Vinishma we will draw down. Now you're going to ask the question, how did we get to 248 if there's only 10 attributes? So that's going to explain that. And now the actions of mitzvahs which are called the 248 limbs of the king, this means they are the containers, the essospheres of the 10 sphere. You take the 10 supernal attributes above, translate them down here, you will have 248 mitzvahs. That's what it is. God is basically saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to be me. To be my container. Kenoyda as it is known. And it is therefore through the fulfillment of the action. Shahu. And what does it mean in these actions? We make an abundance of vessels. Hainu. Test and test. Even though we speak about ten, ten attributes. We minus one because Malchut kingship is already just revelation. The essential structure is only nine attributes. So you take the nine, and we know that every attribute contains all the others, that because they are inter interlaced one with each other, they are composites, these attributes. So it's kindness integrates severity and severity. Integrates kindness and so each attribute so you have to make nine times nine So nine times nine gives you 81 So now you have a full 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 so from the nine sephirot, we ha- we already have 81 sephirot. 81 limbs and in every limb there is the outer element of the limb the middle element and the inside element the panemius the middle and the external it's called Rosh Toh Sov. So you have to make times three. 81 times three is 243. Then there are five powers that cause expansion. Because these limbs need to grow and they need to be fully developed. Vessels, five ki- powers of kindness, which the mystics talk about, which complete the, the vessel. So the 10 wrote in their full manifest um, and and full in order for them to f- serve as a perfect body for the ain self it's really 248 that 's when they're fully developed in our lives it means these are the 248 detail 248 mitzvot with all the details of details of details of how to do these mitzvot. and then we 're perfectly created ourselves to be the vessels in our bodies is incorporated the ten the divine attributes but that's only attribute, and in that attribute comes the soul itself, which is the Orient of the wells inside of us. So, tas palm and Tas oila Pei aleph uh, equals uh, eighty one. Each one there is the beginning, the middle, and the end. Oila Reish, gimel that equals two forty three. The and his five powers of kindness. HaMagdilin, that causes them to expand and to grow. Nimtzezeu b'chines ribu comes out, you've created an abundance of vessels. Shakol svida klila metes, because every one of the attributes now is included of nine. toich and from fully developing it into the beginning, middle, and end. V'gamagdolosan, and also the expansion, which comes through these five powers of kindness. So what you've basically done, when you observe the mitzvot, we are then rectifying and expanding the limbs, the cosmic limbs, the kalim, and the vessels, the air anpin of the small man, small man means the body of God, that's called the small man, as it is explained in, in the writings of the Ari, in which there is a special portal that deals with a special expounded uh, with, with these three stages of pregnancy, nursing, and maturity. Three stages, we spoke earlier, the lower vessels, the middle stage, the further developed. And this is the meaning we will do. We will first create all these vessels. How do how, how do I create God's body? uh we create God's body up there and down here when you're following what the Torah says, his limbs are. So when you take your physical, and God created us with the, with the right amount of limbs. So when you take your right arm and you give tzedakah with it, you just now facilitated that. created it, facilitated it now. And that's why through the, the charity, and other or, or other acts of kindness, we rectify. And we make. We prepare the divine right, right arm. There's an air anpin of the small small face above, which is referring to. Ha- ha- it's not small, it's the infinite. But compared to the keter, which is orange sof, it doesn't have any definition. It's called small face. And saying. And same is true with all the commandments. We, we every mitzvah we fix. Pay maybe miskeli ployne. I don't know what that pay is. And when, when we do that, Vinishma. Then we can draw down. Now the lights can come flowing into the vessels. What does it mean the lights are coming into the vessels? It means an enormous influx of infinite energy flowing into the universe. An added light and revelation from the infinite one, blessed is he. Because now there is abundance of vessels now there is something in which the light can take hold of. The abstract light. Like we spoke earlier, that when you have wicks and you have wood, you can draw them. Which is in the case, if there's God forbid the lacking of the vessel. The light means God's manifest presence. Returns back into potential, into the infinite, unknowable, un, 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 unspecified, and therefore indetectable and unrelatable, removed from the universe and from the world, and completely as if he doesn't exist. <laughs> the light goes back into its source, and its root, in the Matzel Elyon Baruchu in soprano emanator. The this is a deeper meaning of the verse that says that God, your God, is compared to a fire, a consuming fire. Just like a fire, that when it's lacking a wick, the fire goes back up to its root. Okay. For that reason to say, to say, a very, very powerful statement. The law in ethics of the fathers, as the sages say, Ama An ignoramus cannot be pious. So what maybe a person is very simple and pious. What's what do you mean? So simply in order to be pious, means you have to do what's right. You have to know what to do. So how do you know how do you how can you keep Shabbos if you didn't know the laws of Shabbos? So you have to know. If to study the laws of Shabbos, then you can be pious by keeping Shabbat. If the law study the laws of the dietary laws of Kashrut, then you can keep it. If you know it, if you don't know it, you will inevitably going to make mistakes, and therefore you're not going to be so pious. You might have good intentions, but you can't do it. That's a simple meaning. The deeper meaning is as follows: Chassid really means the concept of a Chassid means a spiritual being. Someone who is driven to connect to God. That's the idea of chesed. Because the root of the word chassid is chesed. And the inner soul of chesed, which is kindness, the inner soul of chesed, of kindness, is love. And in the context of a relationship with God, it means, a chassid means someone who activates his kind love. What does that mean? He or she is filled with love to God. Now, when you are loving somebody, it's a two it's a two it's a, it's a two it's a two way channel. You can love and love and love, but if the person is not responding, then there's no point in the love. There has to be a channel, and channel means you have to connect. In the love, the point is that you love someone and they love you back. There's a connection. Abraham, for instance, was the big chassid. He was the supernal chassid. He was the awesome chassid. He loved God, but Abraham was cool. Because in his love itself, he managed to get God to respond. His love itself was enough of an attraction to pull God into the relationship, because he was a super mega soul. So with his love himself, he managed to catch God. He managed to establish a romance with God, and God connected. He, and he and he provided the vessel. What was his vessel? The soul, his soul itself was the vessel, and it was. And he knew how to dance the right dance of. Of, of touching God through the yet and the no that we discussed earlier and he manifested it. but since Abraham no one else can do it in a pure spiritual way we have to do it through the physical actions because if you're just going to love and love and, and desire and connect but you're not going to have the physical minute. so you can love and quest for the infinite but it's not manifesting it won't manifest in your soul you need action of mitzvahs because only when you have vessels and containers can God bless. So it's good to have the love and we're supposed to develop the love but along with that we need to do the actions of of the mitzvah put on tefillin then your love has your love will attract but now that there is tefillin there god can now connect download and the fire can turn on in your life in the tefillin and so forth as he says Ki the idea of the idea of Someone who has the element of love, which is called chesed. Now, The verse says you should love. Right. That's the in the Shema, and the word is let's see, it's the gematria of it is four hundred. Tough is 400. Five, hey is five. The so four five. The two is base is seven. So. 407 plus 1 408 plus vav uh, which is 408 plus 4 414 so vahavta is gematria 414 oyer light numeric value of the word oyer is two hundred seven. Two times 207 is 414 so it says that vahafta you should love is gematria 2 times light what does that mean way i understand it is two times light means your light going to god your love reaching god and god's love shining back to you that's what the love is it's an it's an energy with an energy fusing so god says love me and i will love you so there's a connection but 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 that needs an observance of mitzvahs you need to create vessels for that just the naked love itself will not will not will not create a sustainable relationship. You see it even in human relationships. you can't have a relationship with someone you can love your your spouse to death if you just have love and it's not comp- it, uh, um, it's not uh, accompanied by actions of love. It needs vessels. You need to live together, care for each other, cook for each other, provide for each other, do things. It needs to, a relative, is just left in the abstract. It fizzles very fast. Nothing to hold it. You love, but you got to buy the flowers. You got to.